You're listening to Vet Candy. Hi, I'm Caitlin Palmer. Thanks for joining me today. This is the Desk Winch Confessions. Let me tell you a little bit about myself. I'm Caitlin Palmer, a.k.a. the Desk Winch. A desk winch is a profession very similar to a veterinary receptionist, only better. We deal with not only fractious felines and cranky canines, oh no, we overcome their human equivalents as well, Karens and Chads. On my show, we validate vets and their support staff and any of you other amazing, beautiful folks who may be listening. Now, let me introduce you to today's guest. I am so excited to introduce Dr. Jeff Tinsley. He graduated from vet school at Tuskegee in 2017 and completed a small animal rotating internship in 2018 at the Blue Pearl of San Antonio, Texas. He stayed in San Antonio for a year of general practice, then moved to Louisville, Kentucky for a one-year dermatology specialty internship with Animal Dermatology Clinic. He's currently completing a three-year residency at the ADC of Louisville. Outside of VetMed, he enjoys supporting local restaurants, same though, teaching CrossFit, not the same, <laughs> and, running, <laughs> and running with his dog, Renly. Thank you so much for joining me, Dr. Jeff. I appreciate you coming on. Hi, thanks for having me. Thank you so much. So what, what drew you to dermatology? So, you know, you go to vet school, and it's kind of everybody gets the same generic four years of vet school. And then you go on to do a specialty. So what made you want to transition from, from say, general practice to dermatology? Like, what drew you to dermatology? The story is kind of interesting because I initially was interested in surgery when I was graduating vet school. And then I got into my rotating internship. I got kind of burnt out from working really hard and 80-hour weeks. And I got, you know, got a closer look at what surgeons really do day to day. And I wasn't as interested in that as I thought I was. So I've, I've said this before on, on other podcasts, but I, I kind of spiraled, didn't know what to do. I knew going in GP in a general practice would be a place to kind of slow it down and refocus. And my cases in general practice, you know, the most common thing you see is dermatology cases and ear cases. And I actually had a couple of patients who had a really hard time and I felt like I could do more. So the, the short story is I wanted to see, you know, like I wanted to be an expert in this. How can I do more dermatology? Because I just didn't feel like I had enough knowledge to help them. And, and it's been a really good fit. Yeah, very true. And, and you know, that makes sense what you said, because in our clinic every day, I mean, the vast majority is he's itching, check skin, check ears, check, you know, all of that. So that's, I never thought of that. That's very true. We were joking about it. The other day we were like, it's skin week. Everybody has a skin infection. Everybody has an ear infection. <laughs> Do you have like a favorite thing that you treat? Like, okay, so this is disgusting and I'm not proud of it, but I'm not ashamed of it. I love yeasty ears. Like, I love cleaning yeasty ears. Do you have, like, a guilty, sick pleasure that you like treating? Guilty, sick pleasure? I mean, my favorite things to do are, like, for allergy cases, doing things like immunotherapy because it sounds really cool and allergy testing them. And, like, we make their own personalized vaccine to make them less itchy over time, I think is really cool. I also love really crazy cases, the things that are like crusting from head to toe and 
pussing and oozing, like the things that you just know are probably like autoimmune disease or something, or sometimes cancer. Like I love doing biopsies and like that anticipation of like figuring out what it is. Like I know this is so bad. What's it going to be? What's it going to be? So those are my favorites for sure. I saw on here you like to go to local restaurants. What what you like to eat? Living in South Texas for a couple of years, I feel like Latin food and Mexican food is my favorite. And I've become such a snob at like my favorite margaritas and places. <laughs> and now that I'm in the middle of, yeah, Kentucky, like it's almost the Midwest, but it's not quite, but it's not, it's technically the South, but I don't feel like it's the South because I'm from Georgia. Like it's hard to find great, great, outstanding Mexican food here or Latin food in general, but I do the best I can. We'll be right back with more Vet Candy. Show us your scary selfie to win incredible prizes. Caitlin Palmer with the Desk Lynch Confessions. And Halloween is my favorite time of year. This year, I'm celebrating with the Scary Selfie Contest. To enter, just take a scary selfie in your awesome Halloween costume and post it on Instagram. Tag at myvetcandy, hashtag scary selfie. Three lucky winners will win $100 Visa gift card. Visit myvetcandy.com slash scary for contest rules and regulations. Yes, we recently discovered a little Indian place, like Indian food, and it's an hour away, but every weekend now I'm craving it. I'm like, oh, we got to go to Indian Delight. <laughs> it's like, I don't want to drive an hour, it's like, but it's so good, and there's nothing down here. Like, Picayune is this little teeny tiny podunk, you know, retirement town, and we got, we finally got a place that has boba tea, and like the whole town is talking about what is boba tea, and like what is, it's like, we just want sweet tea. What is this? And it's like, you just, you don't get it. Try something new. Step out of your comfort zone. Absolutely. Okay, and you have a dog named Renly. I would like to know literally everything about Renly because I love Renly, and I have never, I don't even know what Renly looks like, but I love Renly. He's an interesting story because I always told my mother I would never get a dog during vet school, and I got a dog during vet school, so (laughs) that didn't happen as as I planned, but my best friend's wife sent me a Facebook message about him and apparently he had been found like on the you know walking around the streets around town in Tuskegee which is where Tuskegee obviously where Tuskegee University is at and he had gone to a local shelter and needed like an immediate foster and I was living in a house at the time renting out a house and I was like well I I got a little space we can we can try it out and uh, I mean I'm a very classic foster failure. I was like, I'll keep this dog for like a, a couple of days. After two days, I'd made him a name tag based off of Game of Thrones. But he, I, I think he's a shepherd, maybe boxer mix, but I don't know. He's from the streets. He could be whatever. Absolutely. We we just, we did the same thing, except we just skipped the foster part because at this point, my husband knows me. He's like, no, don't even bother fostering. Just adopt it because that's what you're going to do <laughs> It's interesting that you're a dermatologist because he was a scab, just the nastiest, yeastiest, just so sad. Like he was so, 
just crusty and like his skin was just solid. Like it was so awful. And our friend was, the, the place I'm, I'm sitting at now actually, um, I, I house sit on the side. So this is this is a fun thing for me. But this is actually the house he came from. So now it's a joke whenever we come here. It's like, don't bring anything home. <laughs> like, Do not bring anything home. Anything there stays there. But he was a skin, like I said, I like cleaning the ears, so I would clean his ears, and he was just so grateful, and he would just lean into me and fall asleep, and it was just like, I love this dog so much. So yeah, no, foster fail is is absolutely, and I think it's kind of fun too in vet med, because you kind of get to, I don't mean this to be mean or unsensitive, but we kind of get to experiment on our pets too. Oh, our personal pets? Oh, yeah, my dog was a pincushion during vet school for sure, and he, he's like a, he's kind of a, like a big dopey dog, so he, he'll kind of let you do whatever. But anytime there's like, hey, we need to practice blood draws, here comes Rinley. Like he's really good about it. In my rotating internship, he was a blood draw dog, and so he actually got to like donate to our in-house blood bank at that hospital, and it was really, really, really good because he was a, he's a hundred pound dog, so I'm like he's got the blood. Oh, sure. Our, our black lab is a, yeah. Oh, that's so sweet. Our lab is a blood donor and it's like, you saved someone's best friend. So it's, it's so nice to know because it's like, oh, it's just, it just makes you feel good. Do you have like a breed or like a, a kind, like a type that you see a lot? Like, for example, do you see a lot of pugs or is there a dog you see on your schedule and you're like, oh, of course it's a, a pug or whatever? Yeah. I mean, being in Durham, we see the classics, the labs, and the goldens. But like, my favorites are all of our little schmush faces, the brachycephalic breeds. Like, we see tons of Frenchies and, and English Bulldogs. And I love my Bostons because I grew up with a Boston as a kid. So I will literally, I schmush and gush over my patients, like, when, when they're in the clinic. But, like, especially my Bostons because it reminds me of my childhood dog. You got it. Yes, absolutely. And that makes the clients feel so good, too. It's like, he knows Boston's okay. I'm going to him. You know, <laughs> That's so sweet. Now, you work more in a specialty practice now, so I know you probably don't get as many. Well, I don't know. Maybe you do. Do you feel like you get more or less crazy people than you did in general practice? That's a really interesting question because on one hand, I feel like I've had challenging and intense and crazy clients at kind of every step of the way. So first was like my rotating internship was mostly or heavily emergency practice along with, you know, a touch of the other specialties and then regular general practice. I had my clients that loved me. I had a client that threatened to come with me to Kentucky. They're like, just let me know where the hospital is. And I was like, no, you for real cannot come. (laughs) They're like, no, don't, I'll follow you. I was like, please don't, I love you so much. Please don't, don't do that. Um, It's 17 hours away. But specialty world, I love my job and I love how animals have become a core unit in the household. And I've literally had owners tell me that they like their animals more than their human children. And they're like, my, these, these, my animals, these are my babies. They don't talk back. You know, I don't have to put them through college. But because of that, I mean, Durham is very niche and that a lot of people don't I mean I was telling a group of people at a dinner party this weekend meeting new people like they don't know my job exists it's still new so I I feel like some of our clients are a little bit on the intense and and neurotic side sometimes 
because they are, you know, they're really tuned in and focused on their animals to come to specialty anyway. But yeah, we have a, I think we have a, a, a fair, fair amount of, of clients that are really into their pets and they should be, but sometimes to a fault. Oh, sure. And I can understand people getting aggravated or irritated, but some people really kind of take it too far and they get to where they're aggressive, you know, not the pet's aggressive, the owner's aggressive. Do you have a person that you see their name on the schedule and you're like, shit? I mean, 100%. Without naming names, well, we get the client, let's say a situation that's, you'll get the clients where they come in wanting to, let's say like big misconception is they kind of get set up for the wrong thing. So let's say I got a client that dog is super crusty all over. They come in because their family vet thought it was maybe allergies. So they say, I come in like, I want an allergy test right now. That's all I'm here for. And they don't really understand the process of like, well, let me see. looks like your pet has an infection. It actually looks like you might need to, to biopsy this dog. You know, I'm actually leaning more towards autoimmune disease. And I've definitely had a client that was like unhappy with that. Like, I don't want to hear it. I don't want to pay any extra money. Exactly. I don't want to pay extra. I don't understand why you won't allergy test my dog. And like, I would be doing you a disservice if I biopsied this or if I allergy tested and, and worked you up for allergies. If I feel like your dog might have autoimmune disease or, or even cancer or something else going on, you know, certainly at clients that no matter what you tell them, they're just like, I don't think so. And then I don't see them again. And, and I think that's okay. <laughs> Yeah, some people were like, oh, no, don't go. Oh, I'm so upset to lose you as a client. Please come back. Don't. If we can't be on the same page, you know, I'm okay. I'm very, I try to be very transparent with my clients, you know, when they're having issues. I had a case the other day where uh, the owner is, I, I think, good. And it's been like working, working a case up with me and tests are com- kind of coming back negative. We checked some blood for different things going on with a very crusty giant breed dog that I'm dealing with and we're dealing with infection and things. And my recommendation after we've gotten to a point, I said, Hey, I think our next step is to actually biopsy this dog. I'm afraid something more is going on. We keep getting back tests that are coming back normal. And that client was not happy with me. And, you know, through no fault of my own, I didn't give the dog the crustiness and disease all over its body that we need to treat. And I told him this, I was like, I need you to be on board with the plan. So if you don't want to do that test, we absolutely don't have to, you know, kind of, you know, hands up, step away. Here are some other options. So I, I like for my owners to be on the same page as me. I want to be transparent. And I think you got to give your owners an out if they, you know, I don't want you to feel backed into a corner because the testing I do is expensive. And one comment they made was, well, what if I spend all this money to biopsy and it comes back? inconclusive. And I said, that's a possibility because no test in medicine is hundred percent, but it's extremely unlikely based on our history and our experience and, and what we know and have done with diseases and working cases up. So, you know, I, I don't want to you know, BS anybody and say, this is hundred percent absolute. We're going to get an answer because that'll be the one. That comes- <laughs> that's the one that's going to be like, I don't know. I don't want that to happen. So I just, I try my hardest to get on the same page with every client, and sometimes it doesn't happen, and that's okay. We'll be right back with more Vet Candy. 
Hi, this is Dr. Jessica Turner, and I want to tell you about my new show, Living Well with Dr. Jessica. We talk about life, love, and living your healthiest life. Check it out on Fed Candy Radio or a podcast platform of your choice. Sure. You know, I mean, they're, they're people. We're people. They're people. And I can certainly understand financial restraints and, you know, like, can we just try something cheap? Can we try this first? Maybe a little bit of Dex and prayer. <laughs> That's We joke at our clinic. It's like, give it some Dex and some prayer. And <laughs> Absolutely. And I'm on board with that plan. I mean, I've had the sweetest owners in the world that can't afford a big workup, uh, but want to do everything. And they'll like save up a little. And th- there's one, one owner, I was like, I think we really need to do a diet trial. And they said, hey, doc, I can't afford the food, but I really want to save up and, and do it with you later. And I said, 100%, let's do it. Oh, I had a similar conversation today. Somebody that their pet and, and it was they've been doing their prescription diet and the dog's been fine. So they want to try another food. I said, well, part of why it's doing well is probably because you've been given it that diet. But if you want to try another, I can't stop you. But just be aware that's pro- so that's I I get it you know my I've been blessed with sensitive skin dogs so I'm like I, I get it I know <laughs> I know sensitive skin and stomach thank God they combine the two because we have just been doubly blessed I guess <laughs> my my dog also has allergies so I get it they find us <laughs> they do they do and they're little so speaking of allergies so food allergies. There was the big thing, and I guess it's still kind of a big thing with the grain-free and, oh, dogs are allergic to grain. And that's, do you find a lot of that? Like, I don't want to feed this prescription diet because it has grain in it. Yeah, I do. So I wouldn't say it's every day, but I think it's fairly common for a client, often a new client will come in. And if you get the clients who are really honed into the diet, but have never done a real diet trial on a prescription food, which is the only accurate way to, to test for food. You know, the blood tests aren't accurate. But there's saliva tests out there. There's fur tests, which does not make sense. But they will. there are companies who would love to take your money for it. Until there's an accurate test, we're going to keep pushing the diet trials. And they'll come and say, well, I know it's not food because I've, t- I've been off of grain for X amount of time. And if everything kind of fits for, for my mental box as, oh, we definitely have to rule out food, then I'll say, well, grain is extremely unlikely to be a major allergen. Don't quote me, but I think it's something like less than 2% or something. Like it's, it's really, really, really small. And if they haven't done a diet trial anyway to rule out grain, then we don't know. I think the worst ones are the owners that come in who've, who already have a food test in their hand. So they, they feel like it's the gospel. Well, well, it says right here, my dog's allergic to, to chicken and potato and coconut. I'll say, well, have you ever actually done a diet trial? And they'll be like, no. Okay, so we really got to do a diet trial. I've been so honest with my owners. And I'll say, like, directly to them, I'll say, please do not trust that piece of paper. It's not accurate. Until it's accurate, like, I'll be the first person behind it when it is accurate. But it's not accurate yet. And they'll say, okay. And I've had a, like one owner I'm thinking of in particular with a very itchy dog. She seemed like she was on board. And then I recommended a new diet. You know, we did some workup, something for itch, gave her some like antibiotics for infection. As she was checking out, 
she was no longer on board with the food. She was like, well, what about, I, I looked up that food. I think it might have some coconut in it. I said, has your dog ever had coconut? No, they can't be allergic to coconut. They've never had it. How would they be exposed to it? But the test doesn't make sense. So I definitely get pushed back left and right. And if it makes sense to do a diet trial, I just kind of lay it out and say like, we need to do it. But if you're not on board with doing it, I'm not going to force you into it because we won't be successful. Right. I try to tell clients, like, I can't make you buy this food. I can't make you give your dog its antibiotics. I can't make you finish the damn bottle of antibiotics. <laughs> but, you know, it's you know, we do what we can do, and the rest is up to them. And, you know, being a pet parent, you know, I'm, I'm proud about, like, oh, crap, I forgot to give him his medicine. Or, you know, oh, shoot, I forgot. So, I mean, it's, you know, people. We're people. Uh, I was going to say, I even, for my own dog— at the end of my rotating internship, I had him seen by the dermatologist in our clinic, and I wasn't even good about giving his own Apoquil. Like, we were just giving it a shot, and I was like, crap, I can't even give my own dog pills. Yes, same, same. My poor buddy dog, he's on ketoconazole, and it's, it's like, he need, like he is yeast squared. Like, he is yeast that is part dog. Like, he's some kind of just Lovecraftian fungus creature. And it's like, oh, wow, I'm the first person to tell you, you need to, you have to give that medicine. It doesn't work if you don't give it. And then I'm like, oh. I have to set myself reminders, my own alarm. I have to write it on my my mirror. I'll write Sharpie on my bathroom mirror. I'm like, did you give this today? I'm like, I sure didn't. Let me go do that. Yep, sure didn't. Whoops. <laughs> but, you know, we can always go back and give it. And it's fine. And they're fine. I think a lot of the the grain-free thing was a lot of its marketing because some of these foods that may not be so good, may not actually be good foods, have excellent marketing. Like, I wish I could market things like they do. I just wanted to tell people so badly, your pug is not a wolf. <laughs> it will never be a wolf. It doesn't need that. It doesn't, it doesn't need the grain-free. It doesn't need raw diets. It's it's not from the streets. It hasn't been from the woods in many hundred years. We are so far removed from the wild at this point. <laughs> it's not even something we got to worry about. Do you get, so when I think of dermatology, like for people, you know, I think like Dr. Dr. Pimple Popper, I'll be honest with you. I love, I love Dr. Pimple Popper. Do you get stuff like that? Like you get to do like cysts and gross explodey things? We get, I would say a handful, not a ton, a ton. There are, you know, sometimes where if it's, if it looks like it's going to be a pretty simple surgery and they're already in my clinic, we'll offer to, to take it off. And then usually my boss will try to cut it in half. I'm, I, I do not like popping pus, ironically. If I don't need to cut into it, that's not for me. I'm not here to judge anybody else's journey, but my boss loves cutting into them and my staff does and they will chase me with a mess. And it, I'm just like, you know what? Take it off, send it to the pathologist. Let me know what it is. I'll find out in 10 to 14 days. I, I, I am at peace with not popping it. I'm at peace. 
That is so funny. I went through about a 20-minute spell where I was serious about like, I'm going to be a dermatologist because I am like obsessed with with cysts and acne and popping and just gross stuff. And then I was like, oh, wait, how much school is that? No, I'm good. It's so much. <laughs> so much school. That's badass of you to not only go to vet school and a vet school, but then to go into a specialty. Like, who does that? How do you do that? Thank you. I don't know. <laughs> Who saved you? It found me. I don't know. I really got interested in it for multiple reasons. The pets, of course, but then there's definitely a couple like interesting side story, like a couple dinner parties I went to when I was in general practice. It is fairly difficult, I think, to go from like a full-time job to to switch any career. Like, you know, you're you're working 40 hours a week and then you have to make the connections to like get to where you want to go. And I was going to a lot of derm CEs after work. And one dermatologist I was chatting with after one of her talks kind of stopped me mid-conversation and literally told me, she was like, you should think about a residency. And I was kind of like, me? Absolutely not. <laughs> like, I've, I've run that path. I thought about it. It's not for me. I don't know what I want to do, but probably not that. And then she was like, no, no, no. The National Derm Conference, the National Derm Forum is an hour away from here. It's in the spring. That was a couple months uh, in the future. So I could plan for it. She was like, just like, think about it and send me an email. All right. It's pretty close. It was like an hour drive. I took her up on that offer. And when I went there, she started introducing me to people. I got in touch with my old Durham professor from school. He was also throwing me in front of people. And then I met my current boss who actually needed, uh, she was like interested in taking an intern. And I was interested in trying something different and switching it up. And at that point, I kind of I met a couple of dermatologists. And I was like, this, this sounds like a cool crowd of people. I love the lifestyle. Regular nine to five sounds okay with me. What is that? Right. Oh, my God. No on call. I was like, yeah. Like, what is this fantasy you live in? <laughs> I was like, for, for longevity, that sounds a lot better than surgery. And she took me on and... I'm assuming she liked me because she hasn't fired me yet. (laughs) I guess I've worked for two years and a quarter at this point. We'll be right back with more Vet Candy. Vet Candy makes learning fun with the most fascinating people on our planet. Our entertaining, continuing education programs are made for your streaming world. Fabulous, fun, and free. Available on demand anywhere and anytime. Don't miss out. Subscribe today on iTunes, YouTube, or a platform of your choice. Or visit myvetcandy.com for more information. We had a girl, um, she did like some shadowing before she went to vet school and she went to Tuskegee. She actually just graduated this past year and I ran into her mom at at a local restaurant. It was the best catfish I've ever had. But uh, she says, I told her, I said, "Uh, when's Brittany coming to work? She can come work for us. Like I'll I'll put a good word for her. She can can come work for me right right now. (laughs) But she had to do something like she has to work there for so many years because of something. I don't know. But I was like, that's so cool. And I was like, you went to Tuskegee? I was like, Tuskegee, I know Tuskegee. And it's fun to say Tuskegee. 
it was good. It was a very interesting experience. It's a very small class size when I was there, very openly. Vet, vet school was really tough for me in general. And I think it's common for people to say like, gosh, I really didn't like my vet school experience. Oh gosh, I had a hard time mostly because of the, just like the level of education, the amount of information we're expected to know, the amount of self-teaching that you have to do because they expect you to be a grown adult and, and learn, <laughs> learn the things, even though it feels like high school when you're in there with the clickiness and, and the things because you're back in a class setting. But it, it, it was really tough and I just pushed through one day at a time. <laughs> <laughs> That's all you can do. Is it like, okay, so I know on shows like Scrubs and all, they kind of make fun of of dermatology because they're like these very zen people that, like you said, have a nine to five. They don't have as much stress. And is it, do you feel like it's like that in vet med? I absolutely think it is more zen than other specialties. <laughs> Coming from what I used to come from, I mean, when I was in my rotating internship, like, all the ER times, like I was calling attendings in the middle of the night or you know, diagnosing a patient with sepsis. And I was like, oh, this patient needs to go to surgery now. I think it's in the GI tract and things like that. And, oh, I can tell you another story from that year. So my first year out rotating internship, it was fairly common for me to come in on the ER shift and, you know, somebody would call a code and I'd walk through the, I'd be walking into the ICU and I would very casually just walk, you know, throw my book bag down, start chest compressions, like climb onto a table, and just like, looking left and right. And I'm like, what's this patient's name? How much does it weigh? Okay, I need ap- out a little bit of epinephrine. I need some um, atropine. I need this dose. Can somebody get the attending? I don't know who I'm compressing. We need to call the owner. And just like going through the things. You're, you're like, oh, good evening. Hey, how are you? How was your week? And then you're doing chest compressions. <laughs> It just, it was so normalized for me because we did, everything was critical. So we did it a lot. I got very comfortable. Right. And I know in our like general practice, it's like, you know, you have an appointment and then it turns into something that's an emergency. It needs surgery right now. And then Karen's at the front desk complaining because she's been waiting here for her nail trim and the dog needs, the doctor needs to check her skin. And it's like, well, ma'am, there's actively dying pet, give them a minute, we can reset, and they just lose their shit. So you probably don't have to deal with that as much. Not so much from the actively dying thing, which I'm a big fan of. Uh, we, we have fourth years who follow us occasionally, and my favorite thing to tell them is, like, Derm is often very forgiving. My patients like to live, and I'm a huge fan of that. That sounds amazing. How does one become a desk wench at a, at a derm job? Because that sounds pretty good. <laughs> the thing that we deal with a lot, that's, I guess the downsides of dermatology are that it is a lot of hand-holding for our clients. I think, there, I think there's a lot more client communication and discussing why things have been done before. Why are we repeating a test? Why are we checking into these things? Why do I need to rerun this blood work, recheck cytology, see the infection has changed every time? And it takes a very long time for the skin to heal. So like, I love to post on my Instagram. I always get permission first, but I love posting like before and afters of my cases that are the most interesting one, the more eye-catching ones, of course. But you can have like really, I'm obsessed with that really drastic 
look from super crusty, pouring with pus dog, ears terrible, to I'm feeling good, I'm in maintenance, I'm in remission of whatever my disease is, and I'm, I finally have a good quality of life again. And that makes you feel so good. And people like to see that. You know, they like to see, because when you're in the moment of there's something wrong with my pet and my pet doesn't feel good and, oh, he's miserable. And, you know, then you see, well, this dog looks worse than my dog looks. And look how happy it is now. It's like, Dr. Jeff's amazing. He can fix your pet. <laughs> I hope so. I tr- I'll do my best. But I think that process takes months for a lot of dogs. So when I'm telling someone whose dog is, you know, covered in crusts and is super, super itchy, for the most part, it took a long time for them to get like that. And people want fast fixes nowadays. And, you know, the, the quick, why can't you just give it a shot? Why can't you just do this one pill? Why is it not cured? Which is kind of a dirty word in Durham because we don't really cure a lot of things. I cure, we normally say I cure scabies and like ringworm. Allergies are forever. Autoimmune diseases are forever. The pushback or concerns that we get are, you know, clients that are upset that it's taking so long to get their pet where they need to be. And so it just takes lots of reminding and telling them what's going on and being transparent about the process. And like, okay, we've we've gotten rid of this infection. We now know what the problem is. We feel like it's allergies, they're still itchy, but we you know, even immunotherapy is considered the, you know, the gold standard way to treat allergies. That takes nine to 12 months to begin working in some pets. So you got to pack your patients when you come to see me. I need you to be on board. But I, I try to be super transparent because everything takes some time. Skin takes a long time to heal. Uh, but I get them there. You do. It's us millennials. We want stuff now. <laughs> like, I want my dog cured now. I know he's been astray for six years and he is nothing but crust and he has no hair. But I want him pretty by tomorrow. If your dog's had allergies for let's say a lab that's been allergic for seven years and his skin looks terrible and is yeasty. If we expect this dog to live, some of them live 12, 13 years, maybe longer. Can you give me a year? But that's, that's hard to hear, but not a year to, you know, a year to maybe get into an awesome spot. But if you give me maybe a, a month or two, I can really turn a lot of those cases around, but I just need a little time and we got to try some stuff out and we'll get there. Sure. You have to have patience to be a good doctor. Dear listeners, I just made I just made a terrible dad pun and I made the face to go with it. So I'm not I'm not ashamed. I was I was gonna say I'm ashamed of myself, but I'm not. Like let's just be honest. <laughs> have you ever had to tell a client something embarrassing about their pet? Embarrassing. I, I mean the short answer is absolutely. I'm trying to think of a great example. Well, I mean, there's always the cases of kind of like flea deniers who swear up and down that there's no fleas. There's absolutely, you know, we have them on coconut oil. We're in a gated community. It doesn't make, there's no possible way. I have crystals at all four corners. Yes. I think this one's actually from general practice, a Chihuahua patient that the owners told me they lived on, in a high rise apartment. So there's absolutely no way it could have fleas. I said, well, do you take it outside at all? Like, is there any grassy areas? And they did. And the dog, when I looked at the dog, covered it head to toe in flea dirt and live fleas. And I was like, could I just get you to try a Rebecca? Like, let, let me just like, just, just like one, like just one, like let's check off the easy boxes. Let's try like 
you came to see me, you wanted my opinion, let me, just give me a chance this month. Dog did amazing once they started flea control. <laughs> like, outstanding. And they could not believe it. And then they stopped using it and the dog got it the fleas again, but... Well, that fixed it. Why didn't that just fix it forever, Doc? Come on now. I was, I was so happy for like a month or two, but it is what it is. <laughs> we'll be right back with more Vet Candy. Hey, this is Dr. Julio Alonso. Do you want to keep up with everything Vet Matt? Then check out my show on Vet Candy TV. We talk about clinical updates, science news, plus some of the coolest people in our profession. Stream at My Vet Candy 24-7 on YouTube, iTunes, and most other video platforms. Well, I don't know if it's a trend, but on TikTok, they have like the For You stuff, and it's based on things that you've liked. I guess it's just their algorithm, whatever. And um, I stumbled across like ingrown hair follicles on feet and it's disgusting and I love it. Ew. Is this human feet? No, these are dogs. These are dogs. But they, they take and it's a great, it's it's like whoever does the TikToks, it's there. I think it's a great Dane. It's like these huge paws, you know, and they go and like they, they have tweezers and they pluck out the hair and then like 29 hairs come out of this one follicle and it's fascinating it is but i love my husband's always making fun of me he's like what do you watch gross <laughs> <laughs> i will see the case because i mean my staff makes fun of me because i'm i'm definitely a germaphobe and what a strange profession i've launched myself into i hate being dirty at work but i will get dirty so look i will also be the doctor who's on my back looking under a great dane and like sampling like looking up to the sky with my slide and like, I just got to get this pustule on this slide. I will get dirty, but in my mind, I'm unhappy. And that's okay because I love my patients. (laughs) Because I got it. My sample is more important than my happiness in that five seconds. So I I haven't seen cysts or hair on the feet, ingrown hairs yet, but I'd be happy to have that at my door. It's like one of those things, the first time I saw it, it's like, what are they... What are they doing? Why are they? This is disgusting. Oh my God, this is terrible. And then like 20 minutes have passed and I'm still there. And I'm like, what? What is this rabbit hole I have gone to? You know, you're like, I just want to watch memes. And then it's like, how many cervical vertebrae do giraffes have? And then it's just a whole, whole thing. So before we go, we can play a rousing game of Would You Rather? So I found a bunch and now I feel a little silly because now I know you don't like gross things. Oh, let's do it. Whatever it is. Okay. Okay. So most of them that I found had to do with farting. And I was like, not everyone thinks that's as funny as I do. Well, now I wish I would have chosen the farting ones. Okay. So here we go. Would you rather, Dr. Jeff, would you rather have a huge booger hanging out of your nose for the rest of your life? Or would you rather have a pimple on your forehead for the rest of your life? I'm going to go with the pimple because I feel like I don't know. Maybe I can put a little makeup on it. Or maybe it just is what it is. <laughs> yeah, same. I felt, I was like, well, that's a good, I was like, oh, yeah, no, I could definitely put some makeup on it or I get bangs or something. <laughs> I usually go bald, so I don't know if I can do that, but I don't know. I can wear a wig. Let's go. Absol- absolutely. Wigs are, they're so accessible. Okay. Would you rather 
be forced to eat only peanut butter for the rest of your life or be forced to only eat egg yolks for the rest of your life? I mean, I'm going to say peanut butter and I'll give you a, a very short egg anecdote. So I almost developed like an aversion to eggs because I was eating, I was eating almost a dozen eggs at one point in vet school for me and my friends were like trying to gain weight in the gym and like trying to be like big buff guys. I don't think we were successful, but, but literally after that experience, like eating an egg turned my stomach inside out. So I'm going to take the peanut butter. Same, same, same with that. Okay. Okay. Oh, I have a farting one. Okay. Would you rather be constipated every day for a year or be farting every day for a year? Now, this is a state of constant fart. I think for my career, I'm going to just be constipated. (laughs) If you're at home, I kind of feel like it would be hilarious. But if you're at work, it's kind of like, oh, no. (laughs) Or I'm I'm working from home and I am just doing consults over the phone for a year. I can't have it both ways. Would you rather milk a cow or shear a sheep? I want to milk a cow. I've actually done that before. It's not, it's not horrendous. Yep. I, I mean, they do like the big machines nowadays. You just kind of like hook them up to each other. Like, it's actually fun. Whereas I feel like I'd be miserable shearing a sheep because they are, there's so much hair. So much hair. And there, she, a sheep's a big animal. So, some of them, depending on the kind of sheep. But that's, I mean, that's a heavy, big animal. And see, I I love videos where they shear sheep and llamas because it's just so satisfying when like all the hair in that blanket comes out in one piece. So I would have to shear the sheep for the experience, but I think my back would hurt so bad afterwards, I would probably have super remorse. Okay, would you rather eat your pet's food or lick one of your pet's toys? I know where my dog's mouth has been, so I think I'm gonna, I'm gonna have a little kibble. <laughs> it didn't specify, is it? So is it like... Okay, so let's just say it's like one bowl, like one meal's worth of food. But I don't know. Yeah, yeah. I'd Okay, so this is this is disgusting and I'm oversharing, but when I was little, I thought that kibbles looked like cocoa puffs. Like the food that we got our dog. I thought it was like I was like it's cocoa puffs and it's not cuz cuz some dog food doesn't smell too bad, but then like you eat and you're like this is disgusting, this is horrible. Why are we doing this to our animals? So, yeah, but compared to licking a toy, that has been in the yard, everywhere, in their mouth. Yeah, I think I'd have to go with the food, too. My dog has had a thing about, like, his rear end lately, most definitely in his butthole, not to be crass, but I've been expressing his anal glands regularly, and he is most definitely touching his toys with that same mouth. So at least some of my vet school friends would try the dog kibble (laughs) in school, I don't know. Like during a nutrition lab, we would have like different different kinds of the diets out. And uh, there's one that it's almost like one of the hydrolyzed diets almost smells like cornflakes. And they're like, I wonder if it tastes like it. Apparently it didn't. I did not try it because why would I do that? But if I, given the options, you know, I might have to put a little milk on it and it's fine. We'll see what happens. Sure. Oravet, you know, the Oravet for um for their teeth. It's like a, a green chew. I was smelling, I was like, gosh, it smells, this smells sweet. And my dumbass licked it. And I was like, it tastes like cheap Easter candy, like dollar store El Cheapo Easter candy. It is. And I told the drug rep that and they were like, oh, okay. I've had people, coworkers 
taste out the um, dewormers that smell like, they smell like banana or something to me. Yeah, yeah, and I'll just be like, I'm okay, but you go for it. Maybe you need, some of them need to be dewormed. Honestly, for real though, you're right. Would you rather have hooves for feet or have webbed fingers? I would be the hoofs, I think. I feel like I could rock that and that'd be fine. Yeah, nobody would really have to know. How would they know? How would they know? They're gonna know. (laughs) (laughs) Dr. Jeff and I just became best friends. (laughs) But I don't know, webbed fingers. I feel like you can be like, I'm part mermaid and this is my human form and I'm slowly turning back into a mermaid. I used to be a swimmer, so that's almost appealing to me. So I swam for five years, and I met, I cannot imagine how fast that would be. Oh, you would be so super fast. You'd be, like, faster than kids in new shoes that light up. That would be so cool. One more. Would you rather be raised by a pod of dolphins or a herd of elephants? I mean, most definitely the dolphins. The chances of me getting hurt are probably minimal. And also, like, how fun would that be? That would be so fun. And then you got to think where where elephants live, it's hot. Well, I guess I imagine where dolphins live, it's hot too. But being raised by dolphins implies that you have some kind of like abilities or something and you live in some pretty cove. So yeah, I could go with dolphins. Yeah, I'm, I'm into it. We'll be right back with more Vet Candy. parents. This is your favorite lifestyle guru, Renee Michelle, and I'm excited to tell you about my new show on Pet Candy. Join me and make some cute pet stuff. Talk about life and love and everything in between. Check out the Renee Michelle show on mypetcandy.com and let's have some fun. Oh, Dr. Jeff, thank you so much for joining me. Did you have anything else you wanted to add or say or share any advice for our pet parents? Oh, thanks for having me. Uh, I would say if you're bored and you want to come find me on Instagram, you can at DermDogterJeff, D-E-R-M-D-O-G-T-O-R-J-E-F-F. As far as last words, I mean... Be nice to your veterinary staff out there if you're a pet parent listening. And if you're staff, I would say you're doing great. You're pretty. Keep doing the best job that you can and communicate as best as you can. That's all we can do. Absolutely. That's the best advice I think anyone will hear all day. (laughs) Just be nice. Just don't be a butthole. I mean, we ask for so little. You know? Just be nice. We're working hard for you. Be nice. Be nice. We are. We are. And everybody's got pets. And, you know, with COVID, we, and I'm sure you saw it too, there was a huge boom of pets. So it's, you know, we're, we're, we're trying. There's more pets, but there's not more of us. So we have a huge caseload to keep up with. And we're, we're trying and we do care. And, just just be nice. Just be nice to us. Well, this has been a fantastic show. Thank you so much for joining me, Dr. Tinsley. And thank you all so much for joining me. And thanks for listening. I love sharing these stories with you. If you enjoyed the show, please hit that subscribe button. You can always find me on Vet Candy and TikTok at DeskWench, D-E-S-K-W-E-N-C-H. 
send me your crazy stories to thedeskwench at gmail.com. Don't worry, friends. You can stay anonymous. I got you. Until next time, make it a great day. Vet Candy. Vet Candy. Vet Candy. It's Vet Candy Radio.